Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the season two premiere of The Bama Factor with Alex Taylor. Coming to you live from Orange Beach, Alabama. Very special recording to kick off the 2023 football season for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I'm proud to be joined by a very special guest this evening, my my father, Steve Taylor. Hey, Dad, how you doing? I'm doing great, Alex. Hey, just glad to be here. Looking forward to tonight's conversation about Alabama's 23 season. We uh, we have a lot to look forward to. Just very excited about what's coming up this year. I think we're going to see some changes versus last year. Yes, we are. So before we get into our segments, uh, I'd like to take this time to mention our sponsor. It is betonline.ag. It is the largest college football online betting service that you can participate in. You can start the college football season off by getting up to a one thousand dollar bonus by just using the promo code blitz 23 on your next deposit so be sure to go in and check them out at um on their website i will put the link in the description on my instagram page i'll also be posting uh their spreads and uh more point spreads for them throughout the season on my page as well so you can follow them you can play a ton of games on the website as well daily picks uh, from college football to nfl and even more so be sure to follow betonline.ag this season. So without further ado, we're going to get into the first segment. So last place that we left off was the NFL draft and kind of recapping A-Day, and we've taken the hiatus since then through the summer. Obviously a lot's going on into the summer, so off-season growth and any player updates. So I think the first one that a lot of people want to hear about and what I've read a lot about is that Jalen Milrow has grown a lot over the summer. Obviously, he took all of his receivers to, I believe, Tampa or Miami for two weeks. And I think of the majority of the receivers, I think the 14 of them, I think 10 or 12 of them actually accompanied him for the two weeks, working out, getting the chemistry down pat. And I think he's taking the steps to really be QB1 uh, if he can. So uh, from that perspective, what do you think that did for Jalen Milrow and the receivers by taking that two weeks to go? and, and uh, really kind of get that chemistry going? Like, what do you think that kind of puts him in the driver's seat, or do you think that really didn't change anything that much? I think it definitely did not hurt. Uh, anytime you can build continuity between the guy who's getting snapped every play and the guys he's trying to look for to throw it to or hand off to, I think that's a, that's a great thing. Um, you know, Jalen has all the athletic ability in the world. Um, it's just a matter of his, his accuracy, his consistency. As we've heard Coach Saban say before, you know, he always looks for consistency in a leadership role in a quarterback. And, you know, yeah, I'm thinking Jalen, he's, he's probably the most athletic quarterback we have. Is he the most accurate passer? Maybe not. Maybe so. We will see. And I think we're going to see more than Jalen right off the bat. But, yes, I think what they did this summer uh, certainly went a long way in making uh, – you know, some advances in, in, in how we will perform this fall and their preparation up to this point. I mean, I think so as well. I mean, I think when you take steps like this and you take steps to build that chemistry with your receivers, who whoever it may be, especially the starters or even the second string as well, I think taking those steps and really perfecting your craft and knowing how they run their routes 
where they like for the ball to be placed and, you know, learning your quarterback, learning your receiver. I mean, obviously you've got to have a good connection. I mean, obviously Mac Jones had it with Devontae. You know, Tua had it with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. You know, Jake Coker had it with Calvin Ridley. And, you know, you can go so on and so on of other guys who have had that connection as well. So not only the growth of Milrow, but let's switch to the other side of the ball. Let's go to the secondary. Um, obviously we had some transfers come in a little bit late after the spring Um on that side of the ball in Jalen Key from QAB and Trey Amos from Louisiana Lafayette. And Saban always says that he has to transfer a portal based on the need they need for the team. He felt they needed to be a little bit deeper in the second dairy for this year. Obviously, you have Kool-Aid returning, Terrion Arnold returning. You have guys like Earl Little Jr. Um, st- stepping up. Uh, Caleb Downs, the star-studded true freshman that we'll talk about in this episode as well. Uh, but as far as last year's team, you lose guys like Brian Branch and Jordan Battle and Eli Ricks and uh, DeMarco Hellams to the NFL. So that's a lot of starting experience and a lot of just overall playing experience that you've lost. But hearing that Jalen Key has a lot of experience, a graduate transfer, and Trey Amos obviously competing uh, to play not only the corner position but the star and the money position as well, uh, these are two guys that I think can add a lot of depth to the secondary. So what's your overall opinion of how these two guys can fit into the rotation this year, even having Kool-Aid and Terrion already kind of clamping down those two corner spots. Well, Alex, obviously, um, you know, Coach Saban assesses his favorite part of the defense, which is the secondary, and we all know that he is the de facto secondary coach, no matter who the coordinator is. And, of course, we have a great one coming back this year in Kevin Steele. But, um, you know, obviously he saw a need. You know, we've got some veteran leadership there in Kool-Aid and Malachi. And uh, the addition of Key and Amos, you know, that's it's just going to further it. And, you know, Terry and Arnold, uh, great player, solid. Uh, I think we're going to have a very, very solid secondary. It's not anything that can, gives me any pause for concern at this moment. I think our defense as a whole is going to be different from last year. And if I could just touch on that for just a moment, a lot of people talked about, you know, uh, Will Anderson, Will Anderson, Will Anderson fantastic player probably one of the best defensive players has ever been in Alabama but a lot of people depended on him to make so many plays and he's only one man you know it takes a team and I think we'll get into that just a little bit later when we talk about Kevin Steele and what he's bringing back to this defense but I think our secondary is going to be very very solid I think we've got eight or nine players that can play and uh, you know so we'll see as as they rotate in and out you know we'll keep them fresh because you know they run more than anybody just like wide receivers on offense your defensive backs are moving more than anyone and uh, you know they have to chase down these long pass opportunities and you know and cover the the 10 to 12 yard you know shots and and whatnot so you know I think I think that our secondary is going to be solid especially with the addition of Key and Amos. Yeah I think so too I've been hearing great things about Amos competing with Arnold at that spot and the fact that Saban is so high on all these guys of those eight or nine guys who are going to be able to rotate, they're not just playing corner. You know, they're playing safety, they're playing corner, they're playing star, they're playing money position. So they're being able to rotate in case one guy does go down, they've got somebody else to fill that role and they're not completely oblivious to what they're supposed to do in that role and it's not brand new for them either. So I think definitely Key and Amos, very, very, very uh, two highly touted transfers coming in, especially from a good system like QAB and Louisiana Lafayette as well, who both had good seasons a year ago. And now um, the final part of our first segment, uh, the growth of Tommy Reese over the summer. So obviously I knew a lot of Alabama fans, you know, who when we were searching for an OC uh, at the beginning of spring and uh, after the 2022 season was over, you know, everybody was saying we need to go after Garrett Riley. A lot of people said we need to go after, uh, I think, Dan Mullen. 
uh, a few other guys. But then when we hired Tommy Reese, a lot of even a lot of Crimson Tide fans were saying, "Oh, I don't know why we got him. You know, he lost to Marshall last year at Notre Dame and everything." But then you go back and you look at the games where they put you know 42 points on Clemson, and you know you look at what they did. Even though uh, they lost to South Carolina in the bowl game. No, I'm sorry, they won. I'm sorry, they beat South Carolina in the ballgame. You know, they put 45 on South Carolina. Um, and, you know, you look at what he did, you know, with less talent than he's going to have at Alabama. And I think when you really look at what he runs with a lot of, you know, um, these slant routes, these post patterns, these five to seven yard outs, uh, really using the tight ends and bringing back the nature of what made Alabama football so dominant through this past 16-year cycle with Saban is running the football. And we have the offensive line to do it this year. We have a stable of tailbacks that I think is the top tailback room in the country uh, with Jason Roydell, Justice Haynes, true freshman, Jamarian Miller, Richard Young. You have a ton of talent there to run behind an offensive line to really kind of help whoever the quarterback is to settle in. And when you have this and you're able to pound the ball down people's throat, and, you know, take seven, eight minutes off the clock on a drive and drain the defense of the other team, I think you're really, really uh, able to put yourself in a good position to win the game. So how do you think Tommy Reese is really going to try to structure this offense, really having a new quarterback, having a new guy to take the reins and coming into a new system, but having more talent to be able to be used, obviously, than he had um, when he was with the Irish. Well, Alex, let's go back about three decades when Steve Spurrier stepped on the field where he won a Heisman Trophy as a quarterback at the University of Florida in the late 60s. Uh, one of the things I admired about Steve Spurrier was, yeah, he could go over the top, but he's going to throw that five-yard out, seven-yard, 10-yard, 12-yard out, 10-yard crossing route, eight-yard crossing route, and he's going to just nickel and dime you, dink and dunk all over the place. I think from what I've seen from Tommy Reese's play calling, he's a very young guy. I think he's only 33 years old. Um, but he is um, he's cut out of that same mold, I think. I think he's going to install an offense. He loves the tight end. He loves an H-back. He likes to throw to the backside of the backfield. The one thing I don't want to see from him are the wide receiver screens. Uh, we've seen enough of that the last couple of years, so I'm thankful that Tommy Reese is there. And I really think he brings a lot to the table. I think it's going to be, you know, a lot of people are going to have to figure out what he does. And I think he's varied enough in his play calling that it's going to take people quite a while to figure out what he does because he's going to continue to add to the playbook as the season progresses. And I really believe it's going to cause a lot of defenses a lot of trouble uh, this season. And looking very forward to Tommy Reese. I think Tommy Reese also, I think, you know, if you really go back to the Clemson game last year, you really look at what he did. I mean, Clemson's had a good defense even without Venables last year. They still have probably one of their most talented ones uh, over the last, you know, five or six seasons. Uh, you know, they had Brian Brisset, you know, they had Miles Murphy, Trenton Simpson, a uh, lot of good guys who went to the NFL draft and early in the draft, I might add, as well. Uh, but Notre Dame just ran up and down the field with them last year, and that was not with their starting quarterback last year. Uh, that was with their backup. Um, and, you know, did it with, you know, not the greatest receivers, but they did have a very good tight end um, as well. But, you know, you look at what he was using. He was using mesh routes, uh, slant patterns, underneath routes, and he was clearing outsides of the defense and making 
the whole defense think that the play was going to the right when it was actually going to the left, and then he come back to the left to be wide open. Will routes out of the backfield where the tailback is what he used a lot last year, especially against South Carolina, and he got guys so wide open by just spreading out the defense, and I think that's what he does. And I think with the talent he's going to have at Alabama, especially with uh, guys like C.J. Dupree, uh, Amari Nyblack at the tight end position, and then especially the backs we have in the backfield, I think he's going to be able to spread out the defense. But also something else that I'm looking forward to as we wrap this segment up, I'm looking forward to him taking shots down the field again because Bill O'Brien was so reluctant to take shots down the field, and I don't know why. But uh, I think with the receivers we have this year, he's going to use a lot more play action, and he's going to use uh, a lot more um, keeping the defense on their heels. And he's going to run, 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 and then hit you over the top with a pass, and we can use that wherever we need to as well. And So now, speaking of passing, we're going to move into our second segment, which has been the most talked about uh, topic over the offseason for any college football team whatsoever, and that is who is Alabama's quarterback. We've heard Jalen, Ty, Tyler Buckner comes in, transfers. Uh, we have the star-studded freshman in Dylan Lonergan as well. You have Holstein competing. But it seems like all signs are pointing to Jalen Milrow becoming QB1, at least starting the, the game this upcoming Saturday against, um, um, obviously, the Blue Raiders, uh, of course. But so Jalen Milrow, we're just going to go under the circumstance that he is QB1 this Saturday. It's look like he's what he's going to be. So it seems like he's taken all the right steps. He's he's prepared this summer. He's built the chemistry. Uh, he's studied all the film. He's seen where he needed to improve. Saban's praised him about that. That's led to growth. Saban did talk about his progression in the pocket and how much more calmer he is uh, in going through his reads, making the decisions. But I think one of the things that we really need to talk about here it's the athleticism's there. It's just the consistency that needs to happen. So, so Dad, I, I, I just got to ask you, what, what would you personally in the first game or even just let's just say the first couple drives that Jalen is in there if he does take the first snaps, what do you – what's the biggest thing you want to see from him in the offense when he steps under center? Uh, obviously, I'd love to see him take the job in the first game if he's the choice. Uh, I think there's still some question marks there. I think Ty Simpson has certain attributes that are very, very good. I think Dylan Lonegren is kind of coming out of the, uh, you know, the maybe being the fourth string to perhaps being the second or third string, you know, and, you know, who knows what, who knows what his potential is. I think we'll see. I think we'll get an opportunity, you know, in the first game to uh, see probably three quarterbacks. Um, could it be Melrose Simpson and Lonegren? Or could it be Tyler Buckner? I don't know. You know, we will see. I mean, these coaches make a lot more money than I make, and uh, their 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 task is to develop, you know, the quarterback, and you know, to see who's going to play the best. And and we'll we'll um, we'll we'll certainly see. I think I think by certainly by the Texas game, we're going to we're going to have a real good idea who our starting quarterback is going to be. But I wouldn't say so far in the first game. But Jalen Milrow has made some strides. And like you say, he put in the time this summer with his receivers. And, uh, I mean, the guy is an athlete. You can't keep him off the field. Uh, whether he's a starting quarterback or he's the backup or he's, you know, used in some other role or used in certain packages, you know, he's got to be on the field because he probably is the most athletic quarterback we have. Well, see, one thing I think that even if, you know, you do play three guys and you don't have a clear-cut guy after the first game is – 
I've told you in the previous weeks, I've told you, who does Texas prepare for? You know, do they prepare for Jalen Milrow, who's going to take off more? Do they prepare for Ty Simpson, who may be throwing more? Do they prepare for Dylan Plonergan, who may come out of nowhere? Um, but here's the thing. I think kind of like going back to Tua in the um, 2018 championship game uh, for, for the 2017 season, Georgia didn't have any tape on him. They didn't know what to look for. Well, they don't know what to look for from Ty. They really only have two or three things from uh, um, Jalen Milrow last year. So if you really – look at his athleticism it's there like I said it's just the consistency that we need to see and speaking of Dylan Lonergan um, it seems like he has been taking the next step the only reason I think he won't be QB1 yet is because he is still a freshman not saying a freshman can't start obviously Jalen Hurts proved everybody wrong in 2016 and started uh, you know Tua came in in the championship game the very next year uh, but 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 yet here's the thing true freshmen do make mistakes more often than a senior or junior do, and uh, a junior or senior does, because, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts' first play fumbled the snap. Tua in the championship game threw a very – what was almost a very costly interception. Uh, took a sack before, obviously, the greatest play in college football history. But um, but still, I think Lonergan, if he's taking that, um, again, it's all the – it's about the guy who takes the bull by the horns, who wins the team, as Saban always says. And we're going to see who it is, but I think obviously Jalen takes the first couple snaps and we're going to see Saturday. It's obviously a good first game to see uh, them against live action. So now let's jump into our third segment. Now I'm excited about this. Let's switch to the other side of the football. Let's talk about the defense a bit. And I'm very, very, very excited to talk about this. So um, so Kevin Steele uh, – is returning as the as obviously the defensive coordinator this year. Pete Golding off to Ole Miss. A lot of Alabama fans rejoicing about that. I am one of them. I've been saying for years um, that uh, we needed to get rid of him. I don't think he's not. I think he's a good position coach, inside linebacker coach. Thought he was great. I just don't think he's a good defensive coordinator. And maybe he has a lot of success at Ole Miss. I hope he does. Uh, but outside of that, I think Kevin's still bringing it back. I think something Alabama's lacked. Uh, the last couple of years is just the culture of what they created on the defensive side of the ball. If you look back to like teams like 2009, 2011, 2012, of guys that had um, of guys that we had like Kareem Jackson, Dante Hightower, Rolando McClain, Javier Arenas, Mark Barron, uh, Dre Kirkpatrick, Jarrell Harris, Courtney Upshaw, guys who were just mean, brutal, unforgiving guys on the field. They they would be your they would be your closest friend off the field, but on the field they would rip your head off and and. They brought back just that mean physical mentality. And I think just from what I've heard from Dallas Turner, from SEC Media Days, uh, from what I've heard from Deontay Lawson, Jaheim Otis, Justin Aborby, Kool-Aid, um, we've heard from all those guys that the culture shit about that, that, that Kevin Steele's voice gets them ready to play, that, 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 that they are working every day, day in and, and day out, to make sure that last year's failure doesn't happen. And that's what they're being driven by is last year's failure of – Giving up 49 points to, or I'm sorry, giving up 52 points to uh, Tennessee, um, giving up 32 points to LSU, uh, when realistically they really shouldn't have scored that many because we had a more talented defense than we've ever had uh, last year. Um, so just by seeing this, what do you think Kevin Steele brings back to the table as he returns to Alabama for his? third stint under Coach Saban. Well, like Coach Saban has had some really, really good defensive coordinators over the years, uh, not the least of which is Kirby Smart, who's now the head coach at Georgia. Um, Jeremy, 
I mean, you can't say enough about him, just an aggressive coach. Kevin Steele fits in that mold as well. Um, it's really, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a veteran coach. He, he knows defense. He knows how to motivate players. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, more than anything, uh, he's not going to, you know, one of the things that frustrated Alabama fans last year was seeing Will Anderson and Dallas Turner dropping into coverage. And, you know, those guys have a specialty. And it's putting pressure on a quarterback. It's like Coach Saban always says, you don't have to sack him every time. You've you've just got to affect him. Okay, so affecting the quarterback. um, And I think you'll see that from Dallas Turner this year. I think you'll see it from our other defensive players. Uh, You know, I mean, the the likes of Chris Braswell, who's I think he's coming into his own. Uh, Tim Smith, a veteran up front. Jaheim Otis. I mean, we've got so many, so many talented players. Deontay Lawson, and in the secondary, we've already talked about. But just, just the fact that that Kevin Steele, uh, I think there is a there's a mental difference, and there's going to see a resulting physical difference on the field this year because of his leadership. I just really strongly believe that Kevin Steele was the right man at the right time and not taking anything away from Pete Golding. Uh, great coach. I mean, he's, he's a college football coach. I'm not. And, um, but, you know, Kevin Steele is, is, is a different level. And I really think you're going to see a difference this year because everybody depended on two or three players to make plays last year, specifically Will Anderson. And so everybody just kind of rested on their laurels. And, you know, giving up 40, 52 points to, you know, was that Tennessee? Was yeah. Tennessee. And, um, you know, beating us on a last-second field goal. Now, granted, we could have lost a couple of games last year and, and probably should have. You know, Ole Miss comes to mind. Texas A&M comes to mind. Tennessee or uh, Texas, Texas comes, comes to mind. mind. And, um, you know, so, you know, I, I, I think we're going to see a, a marked – and when I say marked, I mean really big difference in the way our defense operates under Kevin Steele this year. Well, I think so, too, because just by just seeing how they were flying to the ball in the A-Day game, and, you know, their whole mantra this year is all 11 to the ball at all times. And, you know, they were flying to the football again. That's what I remember. I think it was Vern Lundquist back in 2016 when we had Reuben Foster, Reggie, or I'm sorry, Reuben Foster, Rashawn Evans, uh, you know, Tim Williams, Ryan Anderson, Eddie Jackson, Ronnie Harrison, Pinka Fitzpatrick, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Anthony Averett, uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, the likes of guys like that. Uh, they when, when, when people try to run on us in 2016, uh, Vern Lundquist said when we were playing Texas A&M that year, uh, he said it's so tough to get wide. And usually a tailback can try to bounce to the outside. He can try to um, – he can try to get outside, and if he can, he can break away. But that year, it just seems like we had such good sideline to sideline guys, especially Reuben Foster, Sean Dion Hamilton, Rashawn Evans, and even the line. You you couldn't get wide on the corners. You couldn't run on the corners. And let's go back to 2015 against LSU. Leonard Fournette came in averaging 150 yards a game. We we hold him to 31 yards. Derrick Henry had more carries than he had yards that night. So I think this year you're going to see a lot more physical aggressive play in the front. And it's going to be about every play. But kind of the final uh, guy I want to talk about on this, and then we'll go to answering questions from some of the fans, Um, Deontay Lawson. Alabama, I think, really the last two or three years has been really missing that key guy in the middle. Because if you look back at, like, 2009, 11, 12, 15, even 17, but really those first two I mentioned, you had that guy in the middle 
Rolando uh, McLean was the first one in 09. Signal caller, alpha of the defense, everybody, they operated off him. 2011, Dante Hightower. 2012, C.J. Mosley. 2015, it was Reggie Ragland and Reuben Foster. Um, you know, you also look at 2017, Mac Wilson, Sean Evans. You had guys, great signal callers. And Saban even said that um, Lawson will be the main signal caller for the team this season, and I'm so happy about that. You know, he played in 11 games last year. He started four. He started the Kansas State game in the Sugar Bowl, uh, but he finished with 51 tackles last year. Um, and I think about 27 of those were by himself. I think they were solo tackles. But just his aggressiveness, I think um, his leadership, you know, he, he was a four-star out of Mobile Christian Academy, um, same high school as um, A.J. McCarron uh, and a few other guys that played at Alabama. But uh, I think Deontay Lawson fits the mold. Obviously, he's wearing the right jersey, number 32. We've had a lot of good 32s at that inside position. Um, but a story that I heard the other day in an article, and I've already told you about this, but uh, for those of you all that haven't heard this, Deontay Lawson uh, was found um, pretty much cussing out a teammate the other day after a post-practice workout uh, that basically it was told it was optional by the coaches, but the players all decided in unison that it wasn't optional and they were going to they were going to complete the workout to 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 together. And it was going to be the whole team, and it was not optional. Well, a freshman tried to skip out. We don't know who the freshman was. And Lawson ripped into him like no tomorrow and held him accountable, saying this is not optional. If you don't want to be here, you can get off the team. You won't be here. And I think that's what we've really been missing. I mean, and we've been hearing about it in practice. You know, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry chewing guys out, Dallas Turner chewing guys out, just everybody holding each other accountable. And I don't think you've seen that. I, I mean, I think Will Anderson had the um, – had that, but I think he was it, and I think he was like, okay, I have this high work ethic and high motor. I need you to match me. But, and that's all great, but now you got guys really holding each other accountable, and I think, again, they are motivated by the failure of last season. I mean, you go 11-2 and and win the Sugar Bowl, that's a dream season for somebody like a Vanderbilt or an Auburn, Florida, anybody else. All right? I mean, you look at Tulane last year. Let's go back to 2021. Tulane goes 2-10. 2-10. and the new head coach comes in his very first year. He wins the American Conference, and then he goes and beats USC in the Heisman winner in the Cotton Bowl and goes 12-2, um, uh, uh, and two. all right? Um, incredible. It, it, it was single-handedly the greatest turnaround in college football history of improvement. Um, but that's a dream season to them, going 13-2, and two, or I'm sorry, going 12-2, and two, and – winning their conference and beating USC in the Cotton Bowl. That would be a failure to Alabama. Last year was – I mean, we won the Sugar Bowl last year, lost two games, and that was a failure to us last year. And even the players say that. It's a failure last season. J.C. Latham said it. Dallas Turner said it. Kool-Aid said it. It was a failure last season, and that's what they're being motivated off of. So I'm excited to see Lawson, especially I think he and um, Tresman Marshall, the transfer from Georgia, are going to be very good. I think you got about – probably about four or five guys who can really rotate at that inside linebacker position. Uh, Kendrick Blackshear, uh, you know, JUCO transfer Justin Jefferson, uh, the number two overall JUCO player, um, Jihad Campbell, former five-star as well. So I think you just got a lot of options at that inside linebacker room. And I'm excited to see those guys, but especially I think you see probably Deontay Lawson and Tresman Marshall will take the first snaps uh, against uh, Middle Tennessee this Saturday. Um, so we will uh, be excited about that. So now we're going to get to our last segment before our prediction. Uh, and these are questions submitted to 
uh, us by uh, the fans on Instagram. I put this out about a week ago and another one out last night. Uh, so I just I got a lot of questions. Uh, if I don't answer it, uh, I apologize. I'll I'll uh, try to answer it in uh, future ones as well. But uh, I just picked some of my top five questions that I really uh, wanted to answer. So the first one is and. Uh, we will both take the opportunity to answer this. It says, what's your honest opinion on our record? And this person says, I think 11-1, and one, but we still make the playoffs. I can see 11-1. and one. I predicted 12-0 and 0 just because I think we're so motivated for this season. But I can see 11-1. and one. I could see a potential loss maybe to like a Texas A&M, you know, kind of like two years ago. Maybe we just catch them at the wrong time. You know, it's in College Station. It's probably going to be at night or – quarterback's first really big true test going on the road uh so uh that could be a test you know it could potentially be a slip up in the iron bowl you know i don't know hugh freeze has got you know the guys believing in the in the uh, whole culture that he's trying to bring down there it could be somebody that we slip up to that we're not supposed to but um i could see 11 and 1 and still making the playoffs as well so i don't i don't think that's a bad prediction at all so dad what are your thoughts alex uh it all depends on the tone we set right off the start of the season. Um, I think, you know, they say defense wins championships. If you can run the ball and you can stop the run, you're going to be successful. I think we have the talent on defense this year to stop the run. Now, the first opponent we're going to play, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, Middle, middle Tennessee, they love to throw it. They, they run the air raid offense. But, so, stopping the run and being able to run the ball. I think everyone would agree with us who's listening to this podcast that uh, Alabama has a couple of running backs that are pretty doggone good, maybe maybe four or five of them. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and say five of them. But, um, you know, we're, we're, um, we're looking at a season where we've got revenge in mind uh, with Tennessee and LSU. Don't think either one of those teams were better than us last year. Uh, so looking to this year as far as record goes – uh, yeah, there's going to be a slip-up somewhere. It is so hard to say, stay completely motivated week in and week out. I don't care who you are. And there's no better motivator, uh, in my opinion, than Nick Saban. But at the same time, you know, we're going to have to make sure we approach every game individually. And, yes, I think 11-1 and one is probably a pretty good regular season prediction for what we will do. And if we get to that point and we get the opportunity to play the Georgia Bulldogs – I look very forward to that, and I, I'm certain, I'm certain we'll make the playoffs. I agree as well. Um, so we'll move to, to the second question: Which player are you the most excited about this year? So I'll actually do kind of a starter that I'm excited about, maybe kind of a guy that's flying under the radar a bit, or maybe it's a freshman. So I'll do offense and defense. So a guy on offense that I'm really excited about this year is Malik Benson, um, transfer wide receiver from Hutchinson Community College. Uh, in Kansas, uh, the number one overall JUCO player, the number one wide receiver, obviously. Uh, I'm excited about him because I think Alabama was really missing that downfield threat like a Jamison Williams, a Devontae Smith, a Jerry Judy, guys like that last year. And I think Benson provides an over-the-top type of presence. And I think that even, you know, Brooks and, and a Burton and Law and Prentice and Bond are all going to be over-the-top guys. But I think Benson with his size and his stature uh, fits more of the long ball type of guy. Um, in a Tommy Reese offense. So I'm excited about him on offense. Uh, then on the other side of the ball, I'm really excited about Caleb Downs. Uh, Caleb Downs, true freshman, um, obviously out of Georgia, um, played at Mill Creek High School, won the state championship last year, uh, played a little bit of quarterback. Um, 
obviously played in the secondary, but playing strong safety at Alabama. He has come in immediately. Uh, this guy was highly recruited, uh, showing right out of Georgia's up-back yard, straight from under Kirby's nose, uh, and that couldn't make me happier. Um, you know, he chose Alabama, and I was so glad that he did. The top safety in last year's class, uh, unanimous five-star, uh, Gatorade player of the year, all the accolades and already turning heads. Uh, he was practicing with the team at the Sugar Bowl practice uh, last year, turning heads. The player has made plays all spring. He's very instinctive. He has a high IQ. Uh, so I'm excited about him. And then some guys kind of flying under the radar a bit. I'll go back to offense. Uh, I think under the radar, Terrence Ferguson on the offensive line, I think he's actually going to be a starter. Um, I think at that left guard position – I'm sorry, right guard position, uh, you're going to be looking at, um, you know, possibly him starting there. Uh, I think Ferguson, uh, he's a redshirt sophomore, so, you know, he's been in the system. This is his third year in the system. I'm excited about him. I think he's going to provide some stability by J.C. Latham on that side. Uh, I'm excited about seeing him. And then on the other side of the ball, I've heard good things about Tim Keaton and Jamarian Latham on the defensive line. Now, Jamarian Latham is a redshirt senior, so he's been there a while. Tim Keenan is a uh, is a redshirt sophomore, so this is his third year as well. But uh, Tim Keenan, much like Jaheim Otis, for those of y'all who don't know, uh, Tim Keenan came out of Ramsey High School uh, in Alabama, was a very highly touted um, defensive tackle. He tore his ACL actually in his last game of his high school career. Uh, but he came in a little bit over 387, 390 pounds. And uh, Saban pretty much told him in his first year, you know, you're going to have to drop weight if you want to play, much like Jaheim Otis who came in at 416. Well, obviously those of y'all who have seen Otis at all 6'6 of his huge frame, he has dropped down to under 316 now, and he is just shredded and he's huge. Tim Keenan has done the same. He dropped down from 387. He is now down to 352. And he is a very quick – agile defensive tackle that is really going to make some noise in the passing game and in the run game on that side of the ball. Um, and Jamarian Latham is a guy who Freddie Roach described as um, he doesn't say much. He just goes out there and he does. Uh, and I think definitely when you lose guys like uh, Byron Young and uh, DJ Dale um, off of the line, I think you need to replace some guys. But I think having a Borg be back is huge. Um, you got Tim Smith back. Um, you got a lot of guys who are going to really uh, contribute uh, this year as well. But um, so those are kind of my players I'm excited about. So that uh, offense and defense, uh, who are you most excited about? We'll start with offense. Alex, obviously Malik Benson. I mean, you've already mentioned him, so I won't go into detail about that. Let's go a little different route here. I really think our starting to look at our running backs. Uh, you know, Justice Haynes has, has made some noise. I mean, we obviously know what Jason McClellan and Roy Dale are going to do. Uh, and then, you know, you got Jam Miller. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about all those guys right there. Uh, you know, but, you know, in, I think in Tommy Reese's style of offense, we've got to look at the tight end. And there's been a lot of talk, a lot of chatter about Amari Knobloch. And I'm very interested to see what he can do. And C.J. Dupree, the transfer, Robbie Oates has done well in practice, and Danny Lewis as well. Um, you know, so those on offense, those are the guys that I'm, you know, sort of looking forward to seeing. I think our offensive line is going to be very, very solid. I mean, you start thinking about Caden Proctor and Seth McLaughlin, uh, Terrence Ferguson, which you mentioned earlier, Darren Dalcourt, J.C. Latham. We have a lot of talented, uh, experienced offensive linemen this year, some new, some old. Uh, you know, but and then let's just switch to the defense side for a moment. 
Uh, I'm really interested to see how Dallas Turner is going to accept the role of being the number one player on the defense. Now, you can argue that that's Kool-Aid McKinstry or, or, or Malachi Moore, but when it comes to putting pressure on a quarterback, which we're going to see uh, the first week against Middle Tennessee, we're going to see a team that likes to throw the ball a lot. So I'm very excited about the opportunity, uh, you know, with Dallas Turner to, to show exactly what he's all about, not having to be compared to Will Anderson, but to be the guy that is compared to. I agree entirely. All right, so number three, and this is, um, and this is uh, huge, huge for um, this team. Is there a big weakness on the team? Uh, big, I don't, I don't know if that's the word. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say a big weakness, but I would think obviously the biggest weakness, I, I say this every year, is complacency. Um, I don't think that's a weakness for us. I just think it could become one. Um, you know, it could definitely uh, become one if we allow it, but I don't think this team's going to allow that to happen based on what last year uh, brought us. But if I just have to go weakness right now, it, it, it obviously will be just not knowing. We have talented QBs. We do. I think all five are talented. But not knowing which one right now is a weakness on the team. But I don't think the offensive line is one. I don't think the tailback room is one. I don't think the receivers are one. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think the secondary or the linebackers or the defensive line is one. I think it's just complacency if we allow it. And um, our quarterbacks, just because we don't know who it is, not because they're not talented or – athletic so Alex I kind of I kind of chuckle <laughs> you know when I read this question is there a big weakness on the team okay we're talking about a Nick Saban coached football team there's no greater coach in the history of college football in my opinion and now listen I'm a Bear Bryant fan grew up watching him every Saturday I could but Nick Saban is the best coach that's ever coached college football. So when you start saying the words big weakness, now it has it has to be relative, okay? So let's let's put this in perspective for a moment. Yes. Am I concerned about our wide receivers? I am. Am uh, I concerned about who's going to be the starting quarterback? I am. But keep in mind, we've got the coaching staff, especially starting with the head coach, and our offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, and our defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele. So when you say big weakness, it may be a big weakness to some folks who don't like us, but for us, uh, you know, we'll judge them by standard. But this this team, I think, is going to – I think you're going to see a marked difference uh, from last year to this year. And, you know, yes, I'm, I'm concerned about the receivers, as I've said. And settling in on a quarterback, uh, but as far as the weakness of the team, is there a big weakness? Alex just alluded to it. Is our complacency? You know, if we go out there and we we beat Middle Tennessee like we're supposed to, forty-five to whatever, or fifty-two to whatever, and then we turn around the next week and we play Texas at home and we beat them by three touchdowns, then where do we go mentally from there? Okay, so we've got to make sure that we keep our mental focus. No one better than doing that than Nick Saban. So, you know, as far as weakness on the team, I think we would be our own worst enemy. I agree. The answer to this next question will be very short for me. Will the defense bring back the Bama standard back to the team this year? Yes. Um, 
Kevin's still returning, as we said earlier. I'm not going to go into too much detail because we've already talked about it. Uh, yes, they will, in my opinion, uh, and just with the motivation that we have, with the players we have, I think the physicality will be back. And, and um, my answer is just it's the same as when we talked about it at GS. So. Alex, there's really nothing I can add to that. I mean, you, you, you've stated it. Um, I think Kevin still being back is, is one of the greatest things that um, could have happened at this point. Uh, we'll, we'll never get Kirby Smart back. We'll, we'll probably never get Will Muschamp back, you know. Jeremy Pruitt. You know, Jeremy Pruitt. Um, you know, so, I mean, Kevin Steele is a great coach. And, um, you know, I just, I just think, you know, we're, 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 we're going to be back on defense this year. I'll just put it that way. Well, here we are. And now our last question before we get into our predictions and closing thoughts is, which receiver can be a consistent deep threat? And my question to that, or I'm sorry, my answer to that question, same one earlier. I think Benson is the guy, but I think every, but I think some other guys can step up. You know, I think Burton can be that. You know, Isaiah Bond can be that. Uh, Jacory Brooks, Kendrick Law, um, Emmanuel Henderson. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these guys can be that, and I think you might see that, uh, especially. I mean, like. All these guys are super fast. I mean, that's the thing about this uh, this receiving core. They're all super fast. So, Tommy Reese is going to use that. And if you put them on just streak routes and vertical routes, I mean, send them. They're going to run by the majority of defensive – of any of the corners they play, safeties they play. And then if they get matched up with an inside linebacker from Tennessee or Auburn or LSU, then, I mean, you know, all these guys can run straight by them. So, I think Benson might be the most consistent, but I think you're going to see all of them could potentially be used by Tommy Reese as a deep threat. <laughs> Alex, we are – we're blessed to have the talent that we have. Uh, we don't have Devontae Smith. <clears throat> we don't have Henry Ruggs. We don't have Jerry Judy. We don't have Waddle. But I think we've got a talented receiving core. The key is going to be consistency in catching the ball. Speed, as you alluded to, is phenomenal. I mean, Malik Benson runs a 4 3 40. Jermaine Burton, second year in the system, he knows the offense now. He's going to be more of a factor this year. But, you know, and Isaiah Bond and, and, and Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, Kendrick Law, those are very, very talented wide receivers. But what we need is people to catch the ball every time it's close to them. I mean, Devontae used to amaze us. J Mo. He amazed us. Mechie, you know, we could go back through a, a myriad of receivers, but the, I think the thing this year, they, they've just got to be consistently catching the ball in those tough situations and those easy situations. I, you know, I, I hate nothing more than to see a wide-open receiver drop a ball, and, um, and that's plagued us. And so I'm hoping that this year that, that lift loop will change. I agree. So – as we come to the uh, end of our show, we're just going to give our quick predictions and closing thoughts. So a little, um, we're going to give you a little preview on the opponent for Saturday. So obviously it is the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, uh, obviously from the state of Tennessee. The last time Alabama played them was 2015, where the Crimson Tide won 45 to 10, actually. Um, so uh, they went eight and five in 2022. They won their they um, won their postseason bowl game. Uh, and they did upset Miami last year in week two in Miami. Uh, was one of the top upsets of the year. Um, but one thing I do want to talk about Middle Tennessee real quick um, that I've kind of gathered on them is that their ground game could struggle. Uh, they've got a good offensive line. They've got five guys who can do it. But, you know, they did have a lot of plays of where they were tackled in the backfield last year, a lot of, a lot of um, 
plays that resulted in a loss of yardage. Um, they don't have a ton of beef or strength in the backfield. It's They have a few scat backs, but they're not super fast. But they're not strong like a Jace or a Roydell or a Jamarian Miller or anybody like that. So that could struck, um, so that so that they, they, they could struggle there. Um, also, Jalen Lane, their top receiver from a year ago, transferred to Virginia Tech. Uh, so they're without their top receiver from a year ago. That's taken almost, I believe, 65% of their receiving yards out last year. So that's a big thing to replace, especially for an air raid style offense. Um, switching to the other side of the ball, uh, their pass rush was not very effective a year ago. Um, didn't create a lot of sacks. Uh, didn't even create a lot of um, affecting the quarterback last year either. Uh, the secondary did have a problem last year. They did have 20 interceptions last year, and I won't let that go under the rug uh, at all because that's impressive. Um, that's more than we had. Uh, that's actually more than a lot of college football had. But they had those, but their offense could turn into anything. And also, but they still gave up a lot of passing yards a game, though, last year. So I think uh, Middle Tennessee, I think they got some good things coming back. Obviously, they got a great head coach. He's got 18 years coaching experience. Um, I think they're a disciplined team. Uh, you know, eight, five a year ago, you know, that's not usually something we see Middle Tennessee usually going. Uh, but, you know, upsetting Miami, uh, winning their bowl game like they did. Um, you know, it's definitely going to be a challenge. I mean, and, you know, Saban's not overlooking, and I know – not one player on this team is going to be overlooking uh, the opponent that is coming to Tuscaloosa because we don't ever – we're not ever allowed to do that because uh, we – the last time I remember we overlooked an opponent coming into Tuscaloosa, me and my father were sitting in the stadium in 2007 when we lost to Louisiana Monroe. Hmm. Um, and that was probably the worst day to ever Saturday. be an Alabama fan that day in Nick Saban's first year. Um, but so that's, we're a fan, though. That, yes, exactly. Uh, but that's never happened again. Um but uh, as far as that, um, I think uh, we are going to see potentially three quarterbacks rotate, depending on who it is. Um, and uh, I think, you know, the running backs are going to really emerge in this game. We're going to see that. And we're just going to get to see a lot of guys play, hopefully. Uh, so, um, Dad, what are your thoughts before we give our score predictions and close this well, out? Well, Alex, I mean, I think you've summed it up very well. Um, we talk about – you know, where where we are right now, what we want to do. Like you said, Coach Saban does not look over this game. He's not looking to Texas. We're playing Middle Tennessee first. And Coach Rick Stocksteel, coach of the Blue Raiders, I mean, he's installed a wide-open, pass-happy offense. They're not going to run the ball. We're going to have to affect the quarterback. Uh, like you said, last year they upset Miami. They won their bowl game. They went 8-5. and five. Uh, They were actually ranked in the top 25 in passing offense last year. Um, I think that will be – it's kind of a system thing. You know, you see you see people like Mike Leach, God rest his soul, and, um, you know, people like uh, Hal Mummy, um, other folks who just wide up an offense, just passing, passing, passing. Coach Stockstill is one of those guys, and they're, they're going to throw at us. They're going to test our secondary right off the bat. And, yeah, they may have some success. I think when it's all said and done, athletes are going to make the difference. But, um, you know, we're going to have to be ready to play. And we're going to have to get past this first game. We're going to have to get ready for Texas, the second game. And Middle Tennessee is our focus right now. And, uh, you know, hopefully we've got wherever we're where we need to be offensively and defensively. I think defensively is going to carry us for a couple of games, three or four games, until our offense really kicks in. I think we've got great running backs. 
think we got great receivers if they can just consistently catch the ball. If we define find a definitive leader that will be taking snaps for us by that second game, it's going to be positive. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, Middle Tennessee, I'm going to let Alex give you the prediction. I'm not going to really chime in on that. I think I know what he's going to say, and I, I agree with it. Well, and uh, so my score prediction for this Saturday is uh, 45 to 10 in favor of obviously our homestanding Crimson Tide. Um, I think we get it taken care of. Um, we, we come out there, we start off the season with a bang, we get ready for Texas. And uh, I would like to say something about the air raid offense. Um, you, and again, you obviously, you, like, obviously Mike Leach was the king of it, uh, installed it at Texas Tech, Washington State, and obviously Mississippi State. Um, Wonderful coach, uh, but he didn't have the success against Alabama. He didn't even register a passing touchdown in his three uh, career games against Alabama when he was state's head coach. No passing touchdowns. Um, and actually, a fun fact, Mississippi State has not had a passing touchdown against Alabama since 2015. I'm sorry, 14 with Dak Prescott. The last passing touchdown was in Tuscaloosa in the fourth quarter. Um, against Alabama when they were ranked number one. So, again, uh, they will test the secondary, but um, I'm excited to see what we've got this season. Uh, it's been a long off season, especially when you lose uh, and you don't achieve your goals. But uh, I think this team's hungry. I think they're motivated. I think they're ready to get after. I think they're ready to hit somebody else other than their own players. Uh, but uh, I think it's going to be great. And, um, obviously, we're going to see what happens this Saturday and then – uh, come the following week, we'll be recapping this game and uh, previewing um, the Texas game. And obviously, we'll be sitting in Tuscaloosa for the Texas game. And uh, before we close, I'm going to turn it over to my dad for one final closing thoughts that he has. Alex, thanks for having me tonight. It's been a pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I've uh, been watching football and played football and doing it my whole life. And, um, you know, it's just a pleasure to be on this podcast with you tonight. You're doing a great job here. I hope everyone will listen and share this as uh, you know go go through your week. And uh, anybody who's interested in Alabama football, I promise you, my son studies it more than anyone. So just listen to what he has to say, and uh, make sure you share the podcast with with your friends. It's been a great night. Thank you, Alex, for having me. Yeah, we appreciate y'all. So as always, roll tide, and God bless.